going to be good. So the Lewis family is just a special family in this church. They're a forerunner. We felt like the church rallied around Papa Robert and, uh, and saw him get so well and, and uh, Sherry and her mom and her sister. They've all just been a fabulous part of the church. And if you don't know Sherry, her, her resume is impressive. And I almost hesitate to tell it, cause I, cause, but I'm going to. Because uh, she's a medical doctor and went to an Ivy League school, and she's best-selling author with um, is it Christian Urban Fiction. Is that the right way to say it? And it's, uh, I told the story, I took one of her books home one day, and I was really tired, and I wanted to take a nap, and I was just sort of laying down in bed, and I thought, picked up her book, started, just opened up in the middle. I never read books from the middle. It's not a great idea. <laughs> and I couldn't put it down. I just went right through to the end and uh, messed up a good nap that day. <laughs> not many things can keep me from that. But she, uh, she's a God chaser. We met her. She was traveling all over the southeast with a vet, and they were just chasing God. Where, where is he? And we met her in Webb, Alabama, and she was going down there to a Bill Johnson conference. Even that's a supernatural story, how Lauren and was, not, was there for some reason just to meet Sherry and Yvette. And uh, we talk about dreams, and, and uh, Sherry's chasing her dream. And this year she started as Bethel Atlanta School of Supernatural Ministry in Cameroon. And one of Chris Valton's dreams is to have 10 international schools of ministry. I sent him an email a month ago and said, well, here's one to add to the list. And um, there are 40 or 50 just amazing students that she's, she's uh teaching and raising up, and I just can't wait to hear the story. I heard Tuesday at school was amazing, and so you guys welcome a forerunner, one of our own, one of the amazing ones, a dreamer, <laughs> Sherry Lewis. Thank you so much. It is amazingly wonderful to be here. Let me get all my stuff organized. If you ask my parents, I, I came home completely and totally exhausted and worn out and drained, and it took me about two weeks of being here to get my bearings and figure out what I, what, where I was. And I went to the school Monday night and walked into the worship, and I just was like, oh, this is the good stuff right here. And it just refreshed me. I've had lunch with everybody, all my favorite people in the world. And I've just been poured back into since I've been here. And it's been amazing. It's, it's Bethel Atlanta. You guys are such an amazing family to have. It's, I don't think I could be in Cameroon without knowing that you guys were behind me, backing me. It's, it's, I, I always talk about how it took 20 years for me to get from the first time I got prophesied that I would do ministry in Africa, it took 20 years to get there. And I told God the other day, if it took that 20 years because I had to come through Bethel, Atlanta first, then it was worth the wait because I'm just glad to be a part of this family. I, I, I know that you guys are behind me. I know that you guys love me. I've gotten prophetic words. I mean, when I'm over there and I have a bad day and I'm really tired and really frustrated, I put on all the, I have a tape, it's about an hour long, of all the prophetic words I got from you guys that last Sunday I was here. And I play it and by the time I finish listening, I'm like, we're going to take this nation. So you guys are wonderful. There was, there was one day that I got up and I was feeling awful and uh, opened my email and there was an email from Jenny and I'm like, I don't even know her. And it was the most amazing prophetic word and I was like, yeah. So I mean, it's just knowing that you guys are, are here and behind me it just makes all the difference in the world, and it makes it very possible to do what I'm doing. So I was asking God what to talk about today, and I just felt like this is one of the meatiest downloads I've ever gotten. I just feel like he dropped a huge stake from heaven, and I'm like, oh, God, how do I cut this? I'm choking on this, but I'm going to try, and there's a lot of scriptures. I practiced on mom and dad, and they insisted that I put the scriptures on a slideshow, so 
and I'm going to go slow. If I start going fast, somebody just give me the, the slow sign. So last summer, I was getting ready to go to Cameroon, and uh, everything started falling apart. I mean, everything. My little girl, as I call her, Mimi, the one that, that initially brought me over there, got malaria, re resistant malaria, and was in the hospital on nine different medications. And, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, if Mimi dies, what's going to happen? And there was, there was I, I won't even go into it. There was so much going on. The school that we were, the school building that we had rented fell apart. We had no school. The house that I was renting the person was threatening to take that back, and just everything was falling apart. And so I said to God, okay, I, I need you to do something. I'm about to move to another country, and I need to know you're in this. I need to know that this is all going to be okay because this doesn't look good. This doesn't feel good. I'm scared. I'm nervous. Tell me something, God. Talk to me. And he said, I, I turned to Isaiah 9. Let me see. And he gave me this scripture, and it blew my mind, totally blew my mind. And I wanted to preach this last, su last summer, I mean, this summer before I left, but I wanted to live through it first. I wanted to, to prove it. And wow, God had proved it. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judge judgment and justice. From that time forward, even forever. And then he paused on this little phrase. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And God said to me, you are about to enter into a God zone where the zeal of the Lord of hosts performs everything that pertains to you. I was like, I mean, it gives me shivers now just thinking about it. Can you imagine the zeal, the passion, the power of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven being behind everything you do? He was telling me this isn't a situation where you take your prophetic promises and war and war and war and war with him. This is where all I need is a warm body and a willing heart, and you are about to soar into this amazing adventure where everything you put your hand to, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform. I was like, well, all right then. Let me just pack my bags. Let's go. Because that, it, it did something amazing for my confidence. And so anybody that's heard me speak on a regular knows that there are two, three messages that are my favorite, and I'm going to combine them all. The message of the kingdom, you will never hear me talk if the kingdom doesn't come out. Purpose and destiny, just because it's the story of my life. And intimacy, just because I'm head over heels in love with God. So we're going to talk about today the God zone, where the message of the kingdom meets purpose and destiny. And so God, God said this word, that, that the zeal of the Lord of the hosts is going to perform everything that you put your hand to, that you're going to be in this God zone, that there are certain things that are on God's heart and on God's mind that God wants to accomplish in the earth. And if you can step into that place where this is God's passion for the world, if you can find out what that is and find out what your role is, in bringing God's passions to pass, then life will be amazing because everything in God will be behind you and everything that you need will be behind you and you'll be flying in this amazing zone where amazing things happen and you don't even have to try. You don't have to work hard. It just comes to you. It just falls to you. It just all comes together. And I've really, really lived that this, these last, it, it seems like forever, but it's only been since July, where... You know, before I left, I didn't know what I was going to do with my house, and I didn't want to let it foreclose, and I just prayed, and I said, God, I need you to do something with this house. And I was over there already in, in Africa, and my mom signed a lease with one of my writer friends where they were going to move in, rent my house. It wasn't some stranger that I couldn't trust. This is a person who'd eaten breakfast and dinner at my kitchen table before. And so my house was completely taken care of. We get over there and we see that we, they rented another school building after the first one fell through. They rented another one that was supposed to be our house. But when I got there, I was like, okay, this is nice. This is nice. But we still don't have anywhere to uh, have the school. And so we walk down the street and there's this beautiful, amazing, and I'll show you the pictures later, house. 
And I said, what if we turn our house into the school and we live here? And it just, you can't find houses in Boya. It's almost impossible. And we live off the main road where you don't have to walk on sticks and through mud and through cows and chickens and everything. I mean, we're off the main street and we have these two amazing houses right down the street from each other. I mean, everything fell together so perfectly. When I first got there, there was nobody enrolled. I had no applications and school was like about to start in two weeks. And I was scared. I was like, God, I came all the way over here. What if I have five students? Oh, God, what if, what if that's all I have? And by the time we finished enrolling, we had 45 students in the class. God chasers, amazing God chasers. And, you know, even before I left, there was a young lady that came and came to visit for the first time. And she says, I'm not leaving. And I'm like, we're halfway through the year already. You can't enroll now. You have to wait till next year. She goes, no, I graduate next year. I'm going back to my home in Bemenda. I'm coming to class. And so it's just been this amazing, glorious momentum that I, I, couldn't have, I couldn't have imagined. And I'll sum it up by saying this. There was a pastor that came to visit us. He came to visit the school. He took the tour. He looked at everything. We told him what we were doing. And he said, if you can accomplish this in five months, you can take this entire nation in five years. And, I, and, and that's, that's what it's been like since I've been there. Everything falls together. Everything's amazing. It's just, and I'm not going to say I don't have hard days. I mean, I have days that I wake up craving everything American. And there's times that I'm lonely. There's times that things happen. I mean, you can see my Facebook posts. I want some cheesecake factory. I want this and that and that. I mean, grapes and salmon and my mommy and everything. I mean, there are hard days, but for them, it's, it's, the wind of the spirit is, is on what I'm doing. And I feel like all I've had to do was spread out my wings and ride the wind of the spirit. And so I want to talk to you today about your God zone and how to get into your God zone so that you can spread your wings and fly on the wings of the Holy Spirit. So if we're talking about getting into a God zone, as I said at the beginning, it has to be that thing that God is so passionate about doing. What is God's heart for what's going on in the earth right now? What is God doing? What's his plan? What are his thoughts? As I always do, I'll take it back to the beginning. What was God's original plan? Man was created for dominion. Earth was supposed to be an outpost of heaven where we were planted and placed to rule and reign. We were literally told, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, and have dominion. We were placed here to be kings and to rule. And God placed us in this beautiful, abundant place called Eden, where everything that we needed was provided, where there was peace, abundance, provision. I mean, everything. They literally... There, there were, there were gold, gold and diamonds and everything on the ground. Everything they needed to eat was there. They lived in perfect health. They lived in perfect relationship with God. And so here's God's original plan. Eden, where you have everything you need, everything you want, everything's provided, and then dominion and relationship with God. Well, we know what happened. There was the fall. But even right after the fall, there was that first messianic promise where God said, I'm going to restore what I originally wanted, Eden and dominion. And so all of human history is this story of God restoring his original plan, Eden and dominion. Now, I got to thinking, why did it take so long for Jesus to come? I mean, the day after Adam and Eve fell, when God came and said, where are y'all? And they were like, oh boy, here's God. The day after, he makes this promise about Jesus coming to the earth. And it's, it's estimated that it was about 4,000 years later. Now, if this was God's plan, if he wanted man to live in Eden and have dominion, and, he, and he's got this plan in place to bring it to pass, why did it take 4,000 years? Here's what I felt like God was saying, that if we were created to be kings, in order for us to be restored to dominion by Jesus Christ, that mindset of dominion, that mindset of what it is to be a king had to be restored to man. Man fell so far when he fell that he didn't understand anymore what it was like to be a king. So much so that it wasn't long before all of earth was in chaos. 
you know, it, it says at the beginning that the earth was without form and void and in chaos. And then after the fall, when it's talking about the times of Noah, it says there was chaos, violence, corruption, and every evil thing. So the earth reverted back to that original place of chaos. Man's mind was so perverted, that's the Tower of Babel thing. He understood somewhat, I'm supposed to be a king, I'm supposed to have dominion, but his way of going about it was completely perverted. And so God had to destroy his plan. And so the reason I believe it took so long was because this mindset of dominion, this mindset of kingdom had to be restored to man. Daniel gave us a clue in in Daniel 2 and 44. He says, he's prophesying Jesus coming, and he says, And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. In, uh uh-oh, oh, did I do that? Okay, (laughs) thank you, (laughs) thank you, because I forgot, thanks. (laughs) And in the days of those kings, in the days where man gets to see what it's like to live in a kingdom, where he understands kingdom, dominion, subduing all the earth, in that time where this understanding of kingship has been restored, I'm going to release the king of kings. And he's going to set up this kingdom which will never be destroyed. The kingdom will not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So when you guys get back to this place of understanding what kingship and dominion is about, then I can send the king of kings to restore you back to that place of kingdom and dominion so that you can rise up and be the kings that you're supposed to be. But until I get this understanding to you, I can't release Jesus because you'll, you'll wreck everything. You'll do another Tower of Babel. Everything will be corrupt. Just like he blocked off the garden so man couldn't have eternal life, he blocked off this ability to reign and rule in kingship and dominion until it was restored to man an understanding of what that's all about. So I've been teaching this this Bible course over in the school where we're looking at the Bible through the eyes of the kingdom. The Bible as the history of the kingdom. The entire Bible is the story of the kingdom of God being restored. So you start with original creation, Eden, dominion, kingship. This is what God wants. The fall. And then you have recreation with Noah where everything was destroyed and created all over again. After that time, you have the time of the patriarchs, where the father heart of God, the covenant of God, that relationship with God is restored. You've got him reaching out to this man called Abraham and saying, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless all the families of the earth through you. Here's what it is to be in covenant with the God of heaven. And all the covenant promises, if you look back through the promises that he made Abraham, they were all about land. They were all about descendants. They were all about all the families of the earth being blessed. And so we, we get an understanding of that's been restored, to, of that's what's been restored to us. Traditionally in the church, we're looking to go to heaven. But now as kingdom citizens, we're starting to understand that we're supposed to have land. We're supposed to take territory. We're supposed to have descendants, not only children that we birth, but spiritual descendants. I have about 200, 200 now kids in Cameroon that call me mom or auntie. I have spiritual descendants. And then we are supposed to bless all the families of the earth. Where once again, just like he told Adam, subdue the entire earth. He was saying sort of the same thing to Abraham. Through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So we have this time of the patriarchs, the father of the family of God, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then they go down into captivity in in Egypt. And then they come out in the time of the nation, the nation of Israel. This is the first time they went down as 70 people in a family, and they came out as the nation of Israel, this huge multitude. I think it was like 600,000 people that were marching into their promised land. Now, remember Eden, and think about what they said about the promised land. It was a land flowing with milk and honey, abundance, provision, everything that was needed, where you'll drink out of wells that you didn't dig, where you'll eat food that you didn't plant, you'll live in houses that you didn't build. It's the restoration of Eden. 
So Egypt, I mean, Israel coming into their promised land was just that same type and shadow of I want my people in Eden. I want them to have everything that they need. I want them to possess territory, and I want them to grow as a nation that subdues the whole earth. When he made covenants with them, it was always about show other nations. Other nations will know who I am because of the glory that's displayed through you. So that same thought of subdue the earth. You're created for dominion. You're created to be kings, to show the whole world the glory of God. And so after the time of the nation, we have the time of the kings. And this is where that revelation came to them. If you look at David, David subdued all his enemies. They, they ended up paying tribute to his son Solomon. And it's said of David, he subdued all his enemies and he had peace all around. If you look at Solomon's kingdom, it was glorious. I mean, the queen of Sheba came just to see the wisdom that he was able to tap into heaven to get, to see his riches, to see his glory. Once again, it's a type of Eden, having everything you need, subduing all those around you, and establishing the kingdom of God. These were the glory days of Israel where they truly came to understand this is what it is to be a kingdom. This is what it is to rule the earth, to subdue everyone around us, for everyone, for all the nations to bring tribute to us because the hand of God is so amazingly on us that everyone flows to us and sees these are God's people. This is God's plan. The glory of God was all over Israel at that time, and it was a kingdom nation. And so what was birthed in the hearts of these people of was this is kingdom. This is kingdom. This was God's original plan, dominion and Eden. Well, unfortunately, they kept falling into apostasy over and over and over again until finally they were taken into captivity. First, they were in Babylonian captivity, and that's where that Daniel scripture came out, where he was prophesying when things would be okay again. Medo-Persian rule, where they were allowed to return and rebuild the temple and, and launched back into their own land. Greek rule, Roman rule, and then enter the king of kings. And so just as Daniel said, in the days of those kings, when you understand what it is to be a kingdom, I mean, if you look at the Roman Empire, they took over everything. And that's, that's something that we're supposed to understand as kingdom citizens, that we're supposed to take over everything. They would take over lands, they would send out ambassadors and governors, and they would say, take the culture of Rome to this nation. They're far away, they have their own culture, their own thoughts, their own way of doing things. Take the culture of Rome. Because God wanted us to understand. Daniel said, in the days of those kings, that's when the king of kings is going to come. God, at that point, everyone was able to see and understand what it is to be a kingdom people that takes over the whole world and transforms all culture with your culture. Does that make sense? In the days of those kings, the king of kings would come and establish his kingdom forever. Oh, wow, I did a whole page already. Okay. So back in Isaiah 9 and 6 and 7, where we were just reading, when he's saying, for unto us a son is born, the government will be upon his shoulders, he's going to be the king, that was the promise of Jesus. So you have these people that, that lived through the glory days of David and Solomon, that understood what kingdom was all about. They're now in captivity, but they're being promised there is a king that's coming that's going to restore you to kingdom. That was the promise. And then God said, the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to perform it. Why? Because that was exactly what God wanted for the earth. Kingdom, dominion, and the restoration of everything that he had originally planned. And so anybody, God raised up a lot of people during the time of human history that were a part of that master plan of restoring kingdom, dominion, and Eden back to earth. And so each one of those people got to experience the God zone. They got to see, okay, God's plan is to bring the king of kings into the earth. I'm a part of that, and so their lives were amazing. One of my favorite examples of that is Nehemiah, where during that Medo-Persian rule, they were under the rule of the king of, I think it was Persia at the time, and 
They had gone back. They'd rebuilt the temple. They were allowed to go back and rebuild their temple as prophesied 150 years earlier. Um, and they went back and they rebuilt the temple. And then they brought word to Nehemiah. And he said, well, how's everything looking? How's everything going? And they said, things aren't looking that great. The wall is down. We're vulnerable. We got enemies all around. We could be destroyed at any time. And Nehemiah wept. He wept and he prayed and he wept and he prayed. And, and he called out to the God of heaven and he said, I know this is your plan. I know this is your purpose. I know that this, that this is what you want to do. Give me favor. And that last line of that chapter says, for I was the king's cupbearer. He was in this amazing position of influence because that was the God zone. God needed someone in a position of influence with the king to be able to do something on behalf of Israel. So he goes in before the king. The king says, what's wrong? Your face is looking all crunchy. What's, what's, what's going on? I mean, it was literally horrible to appear before the king looking sad because that was to say to the king, you're not a great king. And so, you know, he took a chance just looking sad. And so the king said, what's wrong? And it says, Nehemiah prayed to the God of heaven, and then he spoke to the king. Isn't that amazing to be in that position where we as kingdom citizens and kingdom ambassadors can pray to the God of heaven and then speak to the kings of the nation? And influences what happens in a land. And so because Nehemiah was in the God zone, he was in the zone of, of, of marching things toward the king of kings coming toward the earth. Not only was he given permission to go and build the wall, he was given letters of authority to all the surrounding nations to say this guy has the king's stamp of approval. This is what he's supposed to do. Not only that, he was given money to go and to rebuild. So everything that he needed to complete the plan of God was there. Authority, provision, and then when he got attacked from his enemies around him, the king wrote them letters and said, leave him alone and y'all pay for it. Literally, that's what he said. Y'all need to leave them alone. They're on, on divine decree from me, the king, and then I want y'all to give the money to finish this, this project. That's the God zone where you have God's authority God's provision, protection from your enemies, and then where your enemies become your footstool and have to pay for the things that you're getting accomplished in the earth. So Nehemiah lived in the God zone. <coughs> this is my favorite one. Daniel lived in the God zone. So Daniel is looking at the scriptures from Jeremiah, and Jeremiah prophesied what was supposed to happen to the nation of Israel. So Daniel's reading and reading and reading, and it's like 70 years of captivity. It's been 70 years. This is, supposed to, this is supposed to end. And so he starts crying out to God and saying, you said, God, that at the end of, the, of 70 years, my people would be released from captivity. They'd be able to go back into their land and build their temple. It's, it's about time, God. And so he's praying and praying and praying, praying and, and fasting. And finally, 21 Days later, this angel shows up just in glory. I mean, it describes him just gloriously. And the angel says, yo, I'm sorry I was late getting here. I was held up by the prince of Persia, the demonic ruling spirit over this entire, entire situation here. Sorry I couldn't get here sooner. We were tangling. We were fighting. But because you prayed, God sent the archangel Michael to fight on your behalf. And so here I am with your answer. When you are in the God zone, God will release the hosts of heaven, even up to the highest, the chief archangel Michael, to fight on your behalf. I mean, what could we possibly worry about if you know that the, the armies of heaven will be mobilized on your behalf and sent to fight, no matter who it takes, even if it's Michael, just because you're in the God zone. So many amazing stories. We've got Joseph, who went through everything, but finally end up, ended up second in command to Pharaoh over the land and saved the entire nation of Israel. Esther, who was just a girl, who ended up being a queen and interceded for her entire nation of Israel. When you're in the God zone, look at the places that you can be placed Look who you can end up talking to. Look at the influence you'll carry. Look at the provision that's given. Whatever you need is at your disposal in order to accomplish the purpose of God in the earth. Well, I hope by now you're like, well, what is God, what's God doing now? Because I'm trying to get into that so I can get in the God zone. I mean, if all this was to bring Jesus into the earth, Jesus came and is now sitting at the right of hand of God. So what is God doing now? 
what is, what is the God zone now? What is, what is God up to now? I don't know if I did this one. Yes. So I believe, I was asking God, what, what are you on? What are you, what are you doing? Because I'm always trying to be right in the middle of what you're doing in the earth. Because this right here, this life where everything just is, whoa, glorious. I'm trying to always live there. So talk to me about what you're doing in the earth right now, because I want to be a part of that. And then anybody I talk to, I want them to be a part of it as well. Let us all know, God, what you're doing in the earth so we can all get into this glorious God zone. And so he led me to, to this right here, Habakkuk 2.14. This is what God wants. For the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. I mean, if you stop for a second and think of it, that doesn't even make sense. The waters cover the sea. The water is the sea. The sea is water. That's how pervasive the glory of God is supposed to be in the earth. It's supposed to touch everything. It's supposed to cover everything. The glory of the Lord is supposed to be everywhere. And let the whole earth be filled with the glory of the Lord. That's what God is doing. And so if you want to live in the God zone, then you've got to find a way to, to cause the whole earth to be filled with his glory. So how do we do that exactly? I ask God, okay, how, how, how do we get to that point where the whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord? What do we do? How do we do it? How do we release it? Is, what do we do? And he took me to my favorite scripture. I don't know what this always comes up. But if we want the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas, then we have to arise and shine. For the glory of the Lord is upon you. The glory of the Lord is upon you. It's not like heaven's going to open in this huge rain of glory. It's just going to fall down and splash the earth. And then all of a sudden the earth is going to be filled with his glory. You we are his instruments of glory. I love putting those two scriptures together. The earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. So arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is upon you. The way that the whole earth is going to be filled with the glory is you is us. Every single one of us has to fill the earth with his glory. I love Isaiah 60. Somebody prophesied it over me years and years and years and years ago. And it's just, it, it continues to unfold the more I read it. I want each of you to go home and read this scripture because I feel like it's a prophetic word for where we are and what we're doing and what's going on right now. It talks about deep darkness covers the people but the Lord will arise, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And then what happens when we arise and shine and release and display the glory of the Lord in the earth? Then the Gentiles shall come to our light and kings to the brightness of our rising. And there's, there's several chunks in this scripture, like phrases, like paragraphs. And the theme of the paragraph is you will rise up in glory, and when you rise up in glory, the glory of the Lord will be displayed, and then Gentiles will be called unto you. Kings will come unto you, and when they come, they'll bring their wealth. Now, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm not into all that, but it was impossible to miss in this scripture that when we rise up and shine the glory of the Lord, that the nations come bringing their wealth with them over and over in this scripture when you get to the end, it's my favorite part. They shall inherit the land forever, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. And I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. That sounds a lot to me like the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. I'm going to make this happen. This isn't something that you have to war over and pray over. This is my plan in the earth, and therefore I'm all over it. I'm all over making this happen, and all you have to do is provide yourself as a warm heart and a, a willing heart and a warm body, and you're going to fly on the wings of heaven, bringing the purpose of God to pass in the earth. <clears throat> and then God just took me to a bunch of scriptures, and it just 
it blew my mind that this is really what God is, is wanting. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Yes, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall, shall serve him. God is all about the entire world, all nations being affected by his glory. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. So the nation shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall build up glory. I'm hoping you're seeing this, this relationship between the glory of the Lord going to all the nations and kings coming and bowing before the Lord. It's all of Isaiah 60 and it's all throughout the scripture. What God wants is for his glory to be released in all the earth, for all nations to respond to his glory. It's just like in the beginning. What he wanted for us was to subdue all people around us, subdue all nations so that all nations serve the Lord. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Haggai 2 and 6, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. I love that name for Jesus. Jesus Christ is the desire of all nations, whether they know it or not. Jesus Christ is the desire of all nations, and I will fill this temple with glory. Glory, nations. Glory, nations. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, Zechariah 2 and 10. For behold, I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day, and they shall become my people. Zechariah 10, he shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And Zechariah 14 and 16, and it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them will be no rain. There's a similar verse in, um, in Isaiah 60 where it talks about any nation that does not serve the Lord will perish. God's heart is for the nations to be drawn to him through his glory. Talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, it was the third of the feast. There was the, the Feast of Passover, and then there was, it's completely slipping my mind, the second, Pentecost. Duh. Passover, Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. So Passover was the type and shadow of Jesus Christ. We know he was the lamb, the Passover lamb. Pentecost happened when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. So where are we now? The Feast of Tabernacles, the in-gathering of the nations. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a missionary living in the nations. This is God's heart. God's heart is that his glory be revealed to all the nations, that all nations would know the desire of the nations, Jesus Christ. And so purpose and destiny meets the message of the kingdom. What is your role in revealing the glory of God to the nations of the earth? Not everybody's supposed to go to Africa. Not everybody's supposed to go to another nation. Hello, America is a nation that truly, truly needs the glory of God. And each one of us has to figure out, what is my role? What is my purpose and destiny in revealing the glory of God to the nations? How do you get into your God zone? Because that's your God zone. Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord is upon you. And when you go and you release that glory everywhere you go, the Gentiles will be drawn to you and all nations will come and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We will have the Feast of, of Tabernacles, the ingathering of all the nations. So what is, what is your place in that? I, I want to now, I know that everybody wants to hear about Cameroon since I've been gone to Cameroon. So, oh, I forgot three of my favorite scriptures. Okay. 
this is Jesus Christ talking to us. So if you, if you wondered, well, well, maybe Sherry just kind of went in and found a little something. No, this is Jesus telling us what he wants right now. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We are supposed to be discipling nations. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations. And then my favorite, 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 Revelations eleven fifteen, the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. That should be the cry of your heart. That should be the purpose for your life, that the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Nothing else matters. And that's how you have to live your life. Nothing else matters other than the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. So I want to show you my God zone, a little bit of my God zone. Um, this all just happened crazy. And I want to, I wanna, last time I was here, I talked about purpose and destiny and what it takes to leap into your purpose and destiny and my walk of faith, how I was in a profession that I didn't want to be in and I'd been a physician for about 15 years, but had gotten prophecies starting 20 years ago about going to the nations, about preaching the gospel, about teaching. I love to teach. It's my favorite, favorite, favorite thing to do. I love the word of God. I love intercession. I love worship. I love everything about ministry and everything about God. And I was a good doctor, but it wasn't what I was supposed to be. There's a difference between a good thing and a God zone. And make sure you're not stuck in a good thing. You want to live in the God zone, okay? Good things pop up all the time, and you can do them well, and you can enjoy them, and you can make money, and you can be successful, but you want to live in the God zone, not the good thing. And so 20 years of prophetic promises are happening. I'm, I'm finally, like I said last time I was here, frustrated, upset, mad at God. Don't give me another word. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear nothing about the nations. I don't want to hear nothing about preaching. I don't want to hear nothing about that because you ain't doing nothing, you know? And so finally, I, I, I took some time off from work. I went to Jamaica, went to the beach, sat, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. And I said, God, when are you going to do what you promised? You know what he said to me? When are you going to do what I promised? Okay. <clears throat> now, this whole thing with Cameroon started with an email from a young lady in Cameroon that had read my book, Dance into Destiny. And she was talking about how similar she felt wanting to live in destiny. And that email touched me so, so very much. It's so much so what it, it took me forever to write back. If somebody sends me an email and it blows me away, I'm just like, okay, I need to take a second on this one. Somebody sent me one this week. Allison Poole, are you here? Oh, you just bless my heart, Who, wherever you are, whoever you are. Just, I can't write you back yet. I'm still just marinating on it. But I get this email, and I went back, and I looked at the email. Do you know that the first email that I got from my Cameroonian daughter, Genevieve Suma, was sent to me the last day of my work, of, jo of my job? My last day at work. I, I finally took the leap of faith. When God said to me, when are you going to do what I promised, I said, oh, you mean I got to quit? I got to give up direct deposit and my salary and, oh, oh, you waiting on me. <laughs> I'm waiting on you and you waiting on me. Okay, okay. You know, sometimes we have dreams in our hearts and things that we want to do, and we're waiting on God to do something awesome and miraculous before we'll take that first step. But I had to work another month after I turned in my resignation. And so that last day of work was the first day I got the email. My last day of work was the first day of my destiny. I feel like my life started then. And looking back over the last five months, I know that my life started then. But I don't think it would have ever happened if I hadn't quit my job. Now, please do not go to work tomorrow and quit your job, okay? This was a God thing. It was a timing thing. I'd saved up to live on two years. We'd been talking. We'd been praying. God was doing, don't, don't, please don't quit your job because don't say I told you to quit. Don't, don't quit your job. But do pray about living in the God zone and do pray about what do I need to do to see your promises fulfilled in my life? 
And if it takes that kind of leap of faith, I got that email the last day of my job when I said, I'm just going to jump and you're going to catch me and we're going to fly. And I don't know what's going to happen and I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to believe you that it's going to happen. And so when we let go of those secure things that we're holding on to, when we're willing to step out of our comfort zone, you got to get at the comfort zone and the God zone, nowhere close to one another. They're just two different sides of the planet. And you cannot get into the God zone if you're hanging onto your comfort zone. It will never, it might for you, Will, it might for you, but I, I, I just think, I think if you're going to live a courageous adventure in God, it takes a certain amount of courage in your heart to do so. And I think when you take that leap and display that courage, that's when everything starts to fall together. So drink this. Okay. I'm going too fast? Oh, your water there. This is, and please forgive me, all my photos are taken with an iPod. So, I mean, an iPhone. That's, that's all the camera I got right now. So they're dark, they're yucky, and I'm not much of a photographer anyway, but this is this just, if you go on Facebook, they look, they look better on Facebook. Friend me on Facebook and look at all my camera pictures. This is Bethel Atlanta. This is the Bethel Atlanta School of Supernatural Ministry camera room. And I, I'm so glad, like I said, to be gathering the spoils of war with a family. This is, this is all of ours. This belongs to all of us. This is our family house, our family school in Cameroon. I'm going to show you the family house in a second. But this is our family school in Cameroon. And this is what, this is what God has done through this house. This is the hall where we have class. Now, remember, this was originally supposed to be the house where we were going to live. And um, I didn't realize how much of a princess I was until, well, I, actually, I did. Because I went over to Africa two times before I committed my life to live there. And uh, I remember the second time I went, I was like, I can't do this long term, God. You, I, I just, I, I, you raised me in a doctor's family, and I'm a doctor, and I, I'm used to a certain way of living. And I, I, you know, Heidi Baker, I always say she's my favorite. And she, you know, I read her books, and I weep reading her books because she talks about being a laid-down lover. And I was like, I must not be a laid-down lover because I'm, it's, it's some things I can't do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, there's some things that I have done since I've been in Cameroon. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, when there's no public bathrooms, you find yourself doing some things you'd never thought you would do. But, there, you know, there's some things that I've done, but there's some just, you know. So, so I, I get here, and uh, she showed me this building. It didn't look like this. It was just an empty building at the time. And I'm like, okay, God, this is really, really nice, but okay. Uh, you know, when I was writing in my journal before I went, I was writing why I didn't want to go full time. And God was like, well, what's really the problem? I, I told this to the school of ministry. What's really the problem? And I said, God, I love sanctuary. I love my space, my house. I want it to look a certain way and feel a certain way. And I can go pour out everything to the world. But when I come home, I need it to feel like, <sighs> I need it to just feel wonderful and beautiful. I mean, I'm not a decorator. I'm not anything like that. But I have this feng shui thing that if things don't look right, I'm just like, Ugh. so you know, I had this wonderful brown leather furniture, and this was supposed to, and it's blue and gray, and I'm just like, this is never going to work. But so anyway, it's just, you know, the things that would keep us from living our lives for God. So this is the hall. This is where we have class. And we, the, the curtains turned out perfect. I didn't think there was any way we were going to be able to match this horrible blue and gray. But just even curtains, God knew that I needed perfect curtains for the school. This is our Sozo room. And this is where we do our sozos, and it's just, it's been wonderful. God, one of the, one of the God's own things that happened, God blessed me with a wonderful young lady. Where's Kira? You guys met Kira when I was leaving. She came out there and sozoed everybody, everybody. I mean, Kira sozoed everybody. And I got, I got up to first chair in sozo, and now I feel comfortable doing sozos, and it was such a blessing to have her there because some of the issues and the family stuff there can really leave some deep wounds. And if I'm raising revivalists, I need them to be clear of all that stuff. So one of my God's own things was I had an amazo, amazing sozo machine that came over and just cleaned out some lives. So this is, this is our sozo room that we've uh, also made a listening room. We bought some speakers, and we, we set up a, a thing where they can listen to podcasts all day long, and they, they enjoy doing that. So we're getting the word in them that way. 
This is the library. This is Mimi in the library. This is my daughter Mimi in the library. And I want to show you this. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. Do you click it to the next one? Oh, it's not working. Clicker's not working. Okay. You see, this is the library. I want to show you your book fits right here. <laughs> we need more books. I took over boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of books, and then when we unloaded them, that's as full as it got. These kids are eating books for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I have one guy that would check out a book one day and bring it back the next day. Check out another book, bring it back the next day. He was reading a book a day. These kids, you've never seen God hunger till you've been to Africa. Now, I haven't been any, you know, other place in the world, but I've never seen God hunger like this before where I'll tell you, I'll show you the prayer in a minute. When I left for Christmas, I said, you guys can still use the building. And there was a fight over the prayer room. Who was going to do a retreat in the prayer room? The guy that won lived in the prayer room for four days straight, praying and fasting and crying out to God. And so they had to turn the Sozo room into a prayer room because the guy that lost refused to leave. And so... These kids are totally and completely on fire. I've never seen anything like it in my life. So this is our library. We have a lot of books, but we need more. We just shipped over a bunch. Thank you for those of you that have donated books. The team that's coming over in March, they're going to bring more books. Everybody's bringing a suitcase with them, an extra suitcase. So if you have books on revival, anything that fits this revivalist lifestyle, this revivalist culture, please. Leanne, I guess you'll be in charge of bringing everything over. Yes, amen. Books, books, books. Oh, oh, uh oh, went too far. This is the prayer room. This is this is the favorite room of the whole school. Um, and we have amazing retreats here. It, it, recently, when I first got there, I was just praying with a couple of the girls that live with me, and uh, and a couple more would come over, and we would have glorious times of prayer. I didn't put my slide of the mountain in here, but there's a mountain right in my backyard. In fact, when I first got there, you know, I'd been getting all these prophecies about revival in Cameroon, and I was praying for revival in Cameroon, and when I first got there, one of the kids came and he said, this is so amazing that you're here. I know that this is God's set time. This is, this is just amazing that you're here, because 20 years ago, we got a prophecy that revival was going to come to Cameroon, and that it was going to start at the base of the mountain, and spread to the whole nation. I live at the base of the mountain. When I wake up in the morning, the mountain is the first thing I see. And so it's just, like I said, this amazing God zone where amazing things happen. So this is the prayer room, and they love the mattresses. These are blow-up mattresses, and they just, that's their favorite thing in the world for whatever reason. So we have, this is us. We were having a prayer retreat in the prayer room. This is some of my, some of my girls. We were having a prayer retreat in the prayer room, and it just, it just turned into this glory, glory, glory time where, you know, me being an American, I'm always like, okay, time to go. And they're just laid, slain in the floor. And I'm like, okay, yes, we're not going anywhere. We'll just stay here and pray for the rest of the night. <laughs> and this should look familiar to those of you that they're in the school of the ministry. This is, I mean, we, we're doing the stuff. They're praying for, this is one of the students in the school, and they're praying for her, and we pray for each other for healing. This tall guy right here is Philip. He is amazing and is going amazing, wonderful places in God. He was already preaching, but now he's really getting this message of the kingdom healing DNA. And he went out to this, uh, to some crusade he was preaching at. And, you know, th this, this, this couple brought up their child that was two years old that had never walked before in his entire life. And Philip is very bold. And he says, put the child on the ground. He's going to stand and he's going to walk. And I'm like, I'm going to need you to show up, Jesus, because, you know. And they put the child on the ground, and this two-year-old child that had never stood, stood. And the parents were like, oh, wow. And then he took steps and walked for the first time in his entire life. And so just we're, we're already seeing miracles. Miracles are already happening. Philip also, he just he goes after. He was... Uh, in a bus station, and there was there's a lot of what they call madmen in Boya, people that are just crazy. And so there was a madman there, and he, he was asking for money, and everybody was like, oh, get away. And he's just like, what if I just love on this guy? And so he goes over to the madman, and he lays hands on him, and he starts praying for him, and he starts prophesying. He said, you were a driver in Baminda, which is another city. You were a driver in Baminda, and something happened to you, and now you're here, and you don't even know why you're here. And the guy is babbling and just is completely out of his mind, and when Philip says this and prophesies, the guy says, 
I was a driver in Bementa, and I got robbed, and I was hit, and I don't know why I'm here right now. And the guy was fully restored. I was, wow, wow. So they're, they're doing this stuff, and they're, and they're loving doing this stuff, and they're hungry for more and more, and it's just amazing. This is us all getting words of knowledge and praying for one another in the classroom. I didn't put many pictures today because I thought I was going to teach longer. This is me at the orphanage. We've adopted an, an orphanage, and these are my kids at the orphanage, and they're beautiful, and just we go out there, we sing, we dance, we help them with their homework. We're going to be doing just different classes with them on Destiny, and it's just Wonderful to pour out the love of the Father on these kids. I think that might be it. I didn't do a lot of pictures. Oh, okay, I forgot these. So, I forgot my, I had these pictures of a broken down shack that I, I think that everybody expects to see when they, when they know that you live in Africa. But this is my house in Africa, and it's fabulous and wonderful and nice. I don't know how to measure the square feet, but I would almost bet that it's bigger than the house that I left here. It's huge. It's four bedrooms, four bathrooms, huge parlor. You can see that fence. It goes all the way. This is for my daddy. God did this for my daddy. There's a fence that goes all the way around the house with those wire things that stick out on the top, and so it's safe. It's, it's safe, you know? And it's, it's literally five doors down from the school. And so I don't have to pay taxi fare, even though it's only 25 cents, to go back and forth. But I can walk, I mean, right up the street to go to the school. They're both on the same street, which is unheard of. You never find prime property and prime real estate right on the street. And they were both available and both open because I'm in a God zone. And God knew that Sherry needed sanctuary, that she needed to come home after pouring out on everybody. When I, when I first went to Africa, I stayed with, with Mimi, and all they have over there is these foam mattresses that are literally this thick, and when you lay on them, you sink down to the slats. And so God made an awesome way for me to, this is my bed from home. This is a pillow top mattress. I mean, when the kids first saw it, we moved in, they were like, oh my God. And every single day, Mimi comes into my room, throws at her arms, and jumps airborne onto my bed, you know? <laughs> One of my daughters, Bessie, got sick, and I did, for, I, I did what mom does. you got to get in mommy's bed so you can feel better. You know, it's just. But I have this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place where I live. This is my furniture in Africa, which would have matched horribly with the gray and blue and white in the school. I mean, I just, I would have either had to paint or I just would have had to, I don't know. It just would not have matched. But, I mean, she had these yellow curtains in the school, and when we brought them down to the house, they fit perfectly. Yellow curtains would have not fit. I mean, everything was perfect. This house was already rented to some Europeans, and the lady said, oh, you're my people. And so she, I, this isn't right, but when you live in the God zone, you can push somebody else out of their lease, and you can take the best house in Boya. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because clearly those Europeans weren't in the God zone, right? Because they wouldn't have lost their house. So... That's, that's all I'm trying to say, you know, that's, that's, that's all I'm trying to say. And it's just, we have created this beautiful American paradise in the middle of Boya, and the house is always full, everybody comes over, and it's just, it's amazing. And so if you're thinking about missions and you're like, oh, I don't want to live in a whatever, this is my house. I mean, I'm just, you know, it doesn't... It, God knows who you are, and he knows what you need. To ship stuff to Africa costs an arm and a leg. When Daddy was sick, he had this nurse, and I met the nurse, and she had this accent. And I'm like, she sounds like she's from Cameroon. So we started talking, and, she, and I told her I'd been visiting Cameroon. And she goes, oh, I have a brother that's a, a missionary to Cameroon. And um, you guys got to get in touch. And I'm like, okay. I gave her my number, information, didn't hear a thing from it. This was November. April... I'm chatting with Mimi, and I'm like, God, how am I going to get my stuff over there? We're talking about shipping and how much it costs. And he calls me, and he says, my sister was your father's nurse. I'm the missionary to Cameroon that she told you about. Sorry it took me so long to call you. What can I do to help you? I'm so touched that you're helping my country. What can I do to help you? And I'm like, well, you can help me ship my stuff. I just opened a shipping company. <laughs> And so he comes and gets all my furniture, my bed, my couches, washer, dryer, refrigerator, the couches in the prayer. I mean, he came and got, 
a house, two houses full of furniture, because we furnished the school and the house from all that he sent, boxes and boxes and boxes of books. Now, this should have cost $10,000, $15,000, right? So I'm like, how much do I have to give you? And he says, well, just give me $2,000 for a down payment, and then when the stuff gets over and we clear customs, I'll let you know the rest. And so the stuff gets there, and I'm counting everything I've spent. I'm counting, and I'm like, $10,000, Jesus. I don't have, I mean, I do, but that's going to wipe out everything, God. Another $10,000? This was a bad idea. I should have never sent my stuff. I should have just been content to live on one of them foam mattresses and not had to be so bougie and everything. And so <laughs> the man calls, and he said, the stuff is here. And I'm cringing, like, how much more do I owe you? Do you know what this man says? Remember, I'm living in the God zone. You don't owe me anything. He said, I am so grateful that you are coming to serve my people. How could I even charge you? Just come pick up your stuff. I mean, and I could stand here and tell you miracle after miracle after miracle of things that have happened. Seriously, just that many. Of things that have happened since, <laughs> since I went over there. And it's just exactly what God said to me is what has happened. The zeal of the Lord of hosts, the passion and the power of the God of the armies of heaven is on everything that I do. And it is, the, it is more amazing than I could have ever imagined. Wait, how am I doing for time? Do I need to wrap it on up? I'm, okay. A couple more things. My cloud. My daddy prays for me while I'm over there, and he sent me a cloud of angels that watch over me. And every morning I wake up and I'm just thankful for this cloud. And, and every morning I look at the mountain and when I first wake up at like seven or something in the morning, the mountain's completely clear. I wish I'd put a picture and you can see everything. And then by about 10 o'clock, the mountain is covered completely in clouds. And I'm like, wow, that's my, that's, oh, that's the kitchen. That's my cloud. That's the protection and the, and the presence of, of the Lord that's here covering me. I, um, I've been praying, God, how are we going to take this nation? And we have been in this amazing place of intercession. I was interceding with just the girls at the beginning, and then we open it up to the whole school. And everybody comes, and we pray together. And the last few times we were there, the glory of God fell in such an amazing way. And I came to understand that this is how revival is going to happen. Not, you know, it's not this warfare, we command, we roar, 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 you know. There's nothing wrong with warfare prayer. But what God showed me was like the glory is what is going to bring revival to this nation. And so anytime, I mean, we literally barely walk in the prayer room, and the next thing we know, there's this whoosh. And, and, and we're just laid out like, oh, God. And we start prophesying and declaring things over the nation. These kids are so prophetic, it does not make any sense. And I, I know it's because... Africa is a very spiritual nation. I mean, I've, I've been reading all these novels that talk about the occult and the history of the occult and the witchcraft and all the horrible, yucky witchcraft that's there. But that makes them more open to spiritual things. And so whereas we in the West are very intellectual and we have to think everything and understand, they are open, wide open to the spirit realm because that's how that nation is. And so all we've done is say, here's God, here's the prophetic. They're the most prophetic people I've ever met like this. And they have amazing visions from heaven. And so we're always seeing the glory of the Lord falling. One day somebody had a vision, and they saw glory being poured. And, and as it poured, as it hit the ground, it became a building. And we were, I mean, just amazing visions of heaven that they see all the time. And so we're just experiencing this, this glory cloud, this, this revelation of the glory of God. And so I'm always preaching, and I... I Thank God for the wisdom of my pastor who said, you got to cut it down. Don't preach so much. Get the people out your house sometime. I mean, just, but I'm always preaching and going places because it's very religious over there. Like I said, from these novels that I've been reading, I saw what religion was like when it came to Africa. And it was very, it was very much bondage and just horrible. And so there's a lot of religious bondage. So I'm like, I just got to take the message of the kingdom everywhere. And, and I'm like, God, just give me more influence because we want to take this whole nation. And so 
when I went over there, Youth Aglow was the youth group that I was in fellowship with. And then I met other youth groups, Cameroonian Youth for Jesus and, and all these youth groups. And then one of my girls came over to the house and we were talking and talking and talking. And finally she said, I want you to meet the president of the youth group that I'm a part of. And so next thing I know, I'm speaking in front of 120 young people at ACF. And so we've got these four huge youth groups that are at least 100 apiece that now I've met with each of, each of them. God has given me favor with them. And we're all going to start praying together for revival in Cameroon. We're going to take this nation. It's amazing. Cameroon is a little smaller than the size of Maryland, and it's got about 14 million people. It's not big. It is so takeable. And, and, uh, is that a word? It is, it's completely takeable. And it's just amazing. I think about 20 years ago when I, I would sit and read Rick Joyner books and, you know, The Final Quest and, and all his books where it would talk about mobilizing the army of God in order to bring revival and take a nation. And I would sit on my couch, me and Yvette would read these books together, and we'd sit and we'd say, God, we want to be revivalists. We want to take nations. And now here I am years later looking at a nation, and I'm like, we can take this nation. And I'm surrounded by beautiful young revivalists that all they want to do, they don't go to the movies, they don't watch a lot of television, they don't have all the distractions that we have here. All they want to do is pray and get in God's presence. And we are going to take Cameroon. We're going to take a whole nation. And the glory of the Lord is going to fill the whole earth. And I believe that it's an amazing piece of it is going to start in Cameroon. So I, I, I just want to say thank you again for all your love and support, for your gifts, for your prayers, for your intercession. And I'm just bringing you back the spoils of war. This is just a semester. We've just started, you know, and I'm just excited about what's next. I, I met this young lady on the Internet. She emailed me. And she said, I've been to Cameroon before, and, and I feel God leading me back to Cameroon. And, you know, I know you're busy, but I want to see you. And so she came over the house last night, and, and she said, I've wanted to go to, this is the God zone. I've wanted to go to Bethel Atlanta School of Ministry, but I haven't been able to go. And so I sent in my application to Bethel Atlanta School of Supernatural Ministry, Cameroon. So I already have my first student for the second year. I mean, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And, 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 and she's got all these amazing resources and connections. She's what a missionary should be. I just went over there and said, okay, what do we do? But she's got connections and knows people and knows how to do the thing. And so I'm just looking forward to what God is going to do and how he's going to expand this whole thing. And so please keep praying for me. I'm so grateful for the missions team that's coming over. I emailed the kids, and they're like, there's more of you coming? They're just so grateful that... God is smiling on them and is sending people over there. So I'm just so looking forward to it. Please keep me in your prayers. Keep, keep, I just feel like God is connecting these, these houses. Bethel, Atlanta, well, it's not a house. It's not a church. In the name of Jesus, it's not a church. But it's the school. But I feel like God is connecting these two families. Just connecting us. And so please think of us, pray for us. Just, just keep it in your heart and just... Pray for Cameroon. We are taking a nation. Thank you. Oh, I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. <laughs> Thank you. Mm.